All right, we're coming back really quick with a part two, leading right into why we love this league so much. As soon as it stops, we're getting ready and just getting amped up for the next season. And honestly, my favorite draft to watch. It's really exciting. A lot of things can get to happen really live. We're going to go and preview the NBA draft. It's here, I think, more than years and years past. There just seems to be a locked-in three. What's the general vibe you guys are getting from the draft? Do you think this top three are going to be generational players? I think it's so, a little like, bit higher, like lower upside than the top threes we've seen in the, uh, in the past. I, I agree. Think, I think they're all going to be good players, but I wonder if there was like a superstar. Like we can kind of see like Evan Mobley and Kate Cunningham maybe turning into and LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. I don't know if we have those guys. They took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. I remember last year watching like the footage of Mobley, Green, and Cade and being like, I think at least one of these guys is, can like be the number one player on a finals team. This, I don't really know how I feel about it with this year. I still go back and forth. I think, I think the top three are all really, really solid players, but I just don't know what the ceilings are yet. And that's what's so fascinating. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy, right? Cause like you said, John, introing us in, it's like the finals ended yeah. Yeah. and a week later is the NBA draft. So it's like hard to pivot right away. They're trying to like, okay, like that's in the past. Now let me look at these guys. Who who are these players that I think can play in a series like that? That's something Bill Simmons likes to do, right? Like, could these guys play in this final series? And like, how yeah. could you see it? And it's it's so fun for me to analyze how like I think it's always fun to like put on record, right? Like guys you think you like, guys you think you don't like, and then seeing how wrong or right you were on people. It's one of the most fun things to do in sports, I think. So it's really yeah. interesting to see a group of three guys like this where it's so hard to have a read on them. You really don't know uh, what they're going to be. There's really no locks to be a superstar. So takes can be anywhere across the board. Agreed. All right, so how do you guys actually want to get this started? Um, I think we can kind of hop in. We'll start talking about the big three kind of and just how we feel about them in general. And we can kind of lead with, I think, Paolo, somebody who me and Riley have gushed about on this pod so much already just throughout various episodes and specifically our March Madness episode. And right now he's uh, projected to be the number three overall pick. But I kind of want to start with him because I think, Riley, you might agree with me. I think he's the best player in this draft, which is weird because this is the second year in a row now. I thought the projected number three pick was the best player in the draft because we felt that way about Mobley. I now feel that way about Paolo. I'm curious if you still agree, Riley. Yeah, no, I agree. As much as I've grown to love more Chet because I've been able to watch more of his his stuff, I didn't really get a chance to watch as much Gonzaga as I would have liked because I like to go to bed early, <laughs> so I can't watch all the West yeah, Coast Yeah, I got games. a lot of Gonzaga, trust me. Yeah. Um, I, I still think Paolo is the number one guy. I think he can do it all. He's a great scorer. Uh, I also just feel like he's a really smart player and he's always moving around into like what he can do to get the best, the ball in the hands of the best person at the best time. It's a lot like how the Warriors run, you know what I mean? Where there's constant, not only just ball movement, but player movement where they're just running around the court. Paolo actually does a lot of that same stuff, uh, or he did a lot of that same stuff with Duke as well. And I think he'll be a perfect fit wherever he goes. Even Houston, as much as I think they're a trash fire, I think he would work really well with Jalen Green. I think he'll work in whatever position he goes in. 
Uh, yeah, I think he, um, I, I could say it over and over again. I think he is the most complete player in this draft. Why I probably take him to more. I, I think he's the safest. And I think he demonstrated kind of like you said, Riley, kind of the intangibles you kind of want to see in the number one pick at Duke. Like he got to the final four. He led his team through a tough game against Texas tech and was able to find a way to win against one of the best defenses in the country at the time. And he does everything. He can pass, he can shoot, he can ball handle, he can defend. And that's just something that doesn't come easy on the wing. I, I don't know his exact height. I think I want to say he's like six, eight, six, nine, which is absolutely crazy. I think, I think he's six ten. That's even crazier. Tall. Like he could slot in anywhere. And God, I would do anything for him to go join my other Orlando Magic. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think he, him, and Jalen Green could work in Houston if that's what ultimately happens. But again, I think I just think he's the best player in the draft, and I'm really excited to kind of see what happens with Paolo. And I think he's going to be my favorite going forward for sure. It's really Same boring, here. but we're, we're three for three. He's my favorite too. It kind of went like all the way around, or maybe backwards. I remember like when the college basketball season was first starting, people were really hot on him. It seemed like he was going to be the number one, but then Jabari and Chet kind of took over. I feel like Chet is a lot of people's like projected number one right now. But I think I would just still just go Paolo because I just feel like he's the most consistent, like you guys said, well-rounded. I watch mostly the tournament than anything else. I watch a couple. I watch a lot of Villanova because I've seen Hall. But for the most part, and for the other teams, I'm tuned into the tournament. And to see him take like Duke to the Final Four and like have a good game again in the game they lost against Carolina, that sticks out to me and is impressive. And he just seems different than other Duke guys, too. It seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders. And I like that he's like a forward and has some really good playmaking abilities. So he'd be my number one as well. Yeah, I just, yeah. it's crazy too. Like it kind of gets underestimated. I think the amount of pressure that the the Duke team had on them this year, dealing with all the Coach K nonsense, Coach K's final year, and like a lot of college kids, kids that are twenty years old, twenty one years old, probably wouldn't have been able to handle that and deal with a lot, a lot of things that Paolo dealt with. And it's something that you just don't get in a college kid often. Besides teams that win a college championship, Paolo's been through so much. And oftentimes the best players in the draft don't really make it far in the tournament. And that's something that Paolo was able to do and Chet wasn't able to do and Jabari wasn't able to do. And I just value that too. And again, I really do not expect him to go one. And just like I didn't expect Mobley to go one, I just think he is going to end up being the best player in this draft. Well, also, Steve, I'll just say this is we, I went back and listened to our March Madness pod and we actually called Loki that, Chet was going to go to the Orlando Magic, so we put that on tap all the way back in March. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, when talking about Paolo, it's funny that we we even brought that up when we're bringing up the Magic. Is that we're like, wow, like for such a bad team, the Magic have so many good and fun players. We love the Orlando Magic. They still do. Yeah, I love that team, and that's why like it makes sense to me why Paolo isn't going to go there because they don't need somebody with his skill set, if that makes any It's weird to say you can be such an elite player and not have your skill set be needed, but they don't need, like, a solid rock fundamental basketball player. They need, like, someone really much yeah, they, flashy. Yeah, they a superstar. I agree. Yeah, um, which I think is yeah. why. Yeah, we can pivot into talking exactly. about Shed, who – is like right behind Paolo yeah. as much as I love that guy. He's so much fun. That's where it gets really interesting, right? Because Chet, I feel like doesn't have the numbers to kind of back up like 
uh, the number one, number two overall pick in college, but you watch Chet play, the defense, and again, intangibles, I'll say, that he brings on the oh, basketball yeah. court, he's one of the smartest basketball players that I've seen in college. He's blocked so many shots, too. Yeah, he's one of the best defenders. He's going to – he's almost like – I hate to be Bill Simmons again, but he's such a unicorn, and like we haven't seen anything like Chet before, and I think he has by far the highest upside of these three guys. I think Chet – could become one of the best players in the league. It's very, very possible. But it's also possible he just never develops on offense and is just like a defender, or like a lanky 6'10", 6'11", yeah. which is like interesting. Well, so why I get afraid fun. of him because I feel like what's awesome about him is, is a lot easier to do at the college level to just out-rebound kids and just like do a lot of those like you know hustle ball type of things. I'm not sure if that would quite be as easy in, in the NBA. Right, especially when his body isn't really filled out, right? He's not – he's going to come into the league kind of like Kevin Durant did, like very skinny, very outmatched a little bit. Like, like he's going to be yeah. going – imagine him against Joel Embiid. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not going to work right now. But eventually, if he fills out his body and he becomes this defensive unicorn with an offensive skill set, like it could be absolutely insane. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I think – but, see, that's what draws me so much to him is much like Paula, dude, he's just so smart, and he's got a great – He when you watch those games at Gonzaga, though, he just has a great feel of how the game is flowing, and I feel like he's always making the right pass. Um, His instincts are incredible. I, yeah, like I just don't – what makes it so hard is you're right. Why so many people are having trouble taking him such, with such a high leap with one is like – We've just never seen anybody like it before. It would be like if in 2013, if there was like serious talk about Giannis going number one overall. Right. And I think people would have been apprehensive and probably wouldn't have done it. And I think that's why kind of paved the way for Chet is a guy like Giannis. It's like, look at what that it, could be. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why like, I love him and I really hope the Magic take him because I think if it all goes well, he could be the guy they're looking for. Um, which is why I, I'd be so hyped to see him out there. I think the Magic do take him first overall too, because they just they're dying for something like that. So I'm weird. I'm actually a little bit different. Um, I for some reason just love the idea with him in OKC. I just think that OKC doesn't have big men, and like him just slotting in right there, right away, and just being, you know what, Chet, go play 30 minutes, go learn, go play against these guys, and see what happens. I think that's the type of thing that Chet needs. I Again, obviously, big Orlando guy. I think he'll be fine there, too. But there's just something about the prospect of him in OKC that makes my mouth water. I don't know if it's because it'd be playing with Josh Giddy, who I also love, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, and just, like, the thought process of, like, what if, like, he does become amazing? And, like, the idea of him on that OKC team with a billion assets is so cool to me, too. But either way, I think both are good. I, I think he fits better there too. I just think that I think the Magic will take him at one. I think I think it's very likely. I don't I don't know exactly which way uh, these teams are going to go because again, we could talk Jabari in a little bit. But Chet, man, it's just so interesting. It's like, do you take a guy like that one overall? Is it too risky? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, and that's the thing. I think that's why that's making that so easy for the Thunder too, Steve. Is that like who has more job security than Sam Presti? Like he exactly. may have like the most job security of any GM in the league. So he could just take Chet and 
if Chet doesn't pan out, well, okay, there's he has 25 other first exactly. round picks he can use. Right. I think he definitely takes them if he if he calls it to. I think there's no doubt about that. It's just a question of if the Magic will take him or not. And I guess that it's like weird because the Magic have guys like Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba who like obviously you'd rather try and like take a risk on Chet than those guys. But like, is that the guy who you need if you're Orlando? Like, what is the direction Orlando is going? I don't really know because they just have so many guys. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but I'm curious to see. Yeah, I guess that begs the question because Jabari Smith is the other guy in contention for first overall. And he's pretty much – it's pretty much a coin flip, I think, at this point, what the Magic are going to do. I think a lot of early stuff was saying they were going to take Jabari first, but now some late stuff has been flowing to Chet. And even I've heard some Paolo buzz late. But you you take a guy like Jabari, who I think is probably the safest floor out of all three guys – I think Jabari is going to probably average like 18 to 20 points right away in the league. That's so, a great shot. Yeah, and he has a great three-point shot. He has a great off-the-dribble move, and he can score the basketball and defend a little bit. And I just wonder if, like, if you're okay – I mean, if you're uh, Orlando, do they ha- – they just don't really have, like, that guy who's a go-to bucket. And I just wonder if that's more of what they need than a guy like Chip. So that, that's a good point because – I, a take that I've been saying for a while, and I know I've brought it up in this podcast before, is I always get nervous about all-stars who can't create their own offense. And, like, Jabari can for the most part. Like, he, he can get the shot, but um, I just – I worry about him in that sense as, like, being a guy who – he doesn't have all the, like, intangibles that – uh, Chet and Paolo it's have undeniable. But at the he's same, like the least of the three in that category for sure. Yeah, but at the same time, when he's got so many smart, savvy basketball players around him in Orlando, will it even matter? And that's a good question. I don't know. To me, I I've always just found him to be the most boring of the three. I agree. Which is he why is. I agree too. Yeah, which is like it, it's probably. It's probably, if you're Orlando, the safest pick to take Jabari Smith at three. Because he'll probably be a pretty good player. He may not be an all-star, I don't know, but he'll, he'll, he'll be pretty good. I don't think he'll be a bust. As opposed to what the height of someone like Chet or Paolo could be, right. who I think have a chance to be like all-star players. Right. And you kind of see, uh, like, some people on the internet have compared Jabari to Kevin Durant, which I think is just idiotic like yeah they might have similar like body frames and really good jump shots but i'm sorry there there's no way jabari is turning into a guy like kevin durant i could see maybe like a guy like chris middleton just like a great shot great on offense a solid defender 20 even a beal i actually see a lot of bradley beal in him beal too yep just like obviously way taller and more athletic than beal but like that similar type of role and it's like i don't know think about it right the magic you're you're down the stretch in the game Who's taking your shot? Who who do you want to take that shot to tie the game or go ahead? Right now, it's probably like Cole Anthony, right? Is that the guy? Franz Fran- like Franz, like a rookie or who was averaging like sixteen. Like they don't really have that bucket. Yeah. I just no. I don't know if I just think that low key that might be the best spot for Jabari to go for his development, just because they're gonna be like, okay, like you're our guy, kind of in a sense of like, yeah, Jalen Green on Houston, like yeah, he didn't start well. Yeah, he had some, like, rocky, like, steps, but, like, in a pinch, they're like, all right, Jalen, go 
go get us a bucket. And like towards the end of the year, he kind of started to figure it out. And I wonder if like that is almost the best spot for him to go. And if Orlando might see that and be like, if we can develop him as putting him in the number one spot, telling him this is our offense, like it's your job, you got the keys already. Maybe that is the best thing for him and his, his career. I don't know. But that's kind of almost why I think if I'm Orlando, I just play it safe because I think he fits so well there. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate that take. Uh, it, it's just the least fun to me, but I think you're probably right. Definitely. Yeah, I just think it's just too almost like you, you said, Riley. It's like, is it worth it for the Magic to risk it all and go chat? I think it might be, but I don't know if they think it will be. God, I hope they do. I really <laughs> hope they do. It I would just be so too. fun. I know we wanted to talk about like lottery pick guys or more like more under the radar people coming out of this draft that could be really exciting. But before we get there, I keep thinking about how you were like big on the Raptors last year, right? And how you're like, any, t- any guy that goes there is going to fit right in. Just how great of a fit it was for Scotty Barnes there. In the top 10, is there any team that you think is just like so versatile and would be a great fit for any player? Oh, that's a, that is a good question. I don't know. Um, it's funny because I, I really, I normally would have said the magic if they had like the seventh or eighth pick, but now having one is sort of different. Yeah, um, I, I think the, don't the Pelicans have a top 10? They have, they're like eight, right? That yeah, could be have, huge. They have the Lakers pick. So it's like eight or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and look how good they were, were already. And they may be getting Zion back. So if they get another guy in here who right. could like, Help them a lot. That would be like Mathurin, be really like Mathurin great. A lot of things he could go. Well, yeah, I, I would know. also. Yeah. You could probably also say I, the Spurs have like a the ninth pick and maybe like Pops last year. If they get like some guy who just needs yeah. a little bit more of a good talking to and could help out with Pop, he could help <laughs> them work with Dante Murray. That'd be huge. And something I would say the opposite about is a player going to a team that is probably going to be screwed over no matter what who they pick or whatever they pick is going to go wrong. It's probably the fourth pick to the Sacramento Kings. And the elephant oh, is somebody we have to talk about is Jaden Ivey. Someone I don't know I know myself and probably the rest of you have flipped on multiple times. We don't know what to think of this guy, but it's somebody we have to talk about because he has the potential to be a superstar, probably the lowest floor out of anybody in, like, the top ten. I think he could be horrible. I think he'd be great. I don't know if you guys have anything to say about him first. I think he's – I think that's going to scare people. I think he's on a drop, actually. I think he goes, like, 8 to 12. You think he falls? I do. I think somebody's ballsy enough to take him. I don't know if it's the Kings or someone trading up to, to It's the, the most Kings spot. thing. Because, again, this guy – I think gets a lot of shit for literally losing to St. Peter's. And it's like, how does a guy who's projected to go top four in the draft lose to St. Peter's and like the biggest stage in the NCAA tournament and not only lose to them, play like absolute dog shit. And that was probably one of my biggest takeaways at the time. Cause I used to like him. I liked Purdue. And then I was like, what the hell am I thinking? Like this, this guy let this happen with like a, a seven foot two center he couldn't figure out how to feed him the ball. That guy couldn't finish. And, like, it was just a disaster. And I think that's just, like, what's going to end up happening is, like, he could be an inconsistent guy. But, again, a guy who's getting John Morant comparisons can't really be taken lightly. I think it's something that's no. very interesting and probably the most polarizing guy in the draft. I'm curious, Riley, because you've been in the same boat as me, kind of not liking him for a while. Where are you stand right now? 
Um, I'm still a little bit mixed. I just don't like that style of player where, like, really all he can do is he's just about, like, driving to the bucket. Like, I just feel like it's very, like, one-dimensional to me. And, I mean, it definitely works. Like, he was awesome in Purdue. But I'm always curious to how that's going to translate because for every, like, Donovan Mitchell, you know, there's, like, another guy who is just, like, can't hit the layup anymore and they're just like taking the ball out of everybody's hands and they're like i got this like like a De'Aaron fox kind of thing which is why him going to the kings is so far <laughs> because he could just be De'Aaron fox again yeah, i think two of the guys that ivy's getting compared to a lot in this draft have been donovan mitchell and john moran and it's like there's two things that i think are like uh, missing in Jaden's game that doesn't compare to those guys john moran as athletic and fast as he is is also an elite passer, one of the best passers in the NBA. Jaden Ivey does not have that trait. He's not a great guard at all. And Donovan Mitchell is a great shooter, one of the better three-point shooters in the league. Jaden Ivey, not really a great shooter. So it's like how how far can athleticism and dunking and finishing in the paint get you? And it's like I do not trust the Kings at all to figure that out. That's for sure. I like, think is he just a younger Gary Payton Jr.? It could be, like, which is horrible to think about. And it's like, I think this is the Scotty Barnes of this draft, in a sense, like you guys already brought up. If he does not go to the right spot, it's over for him. But if he goes to a place, like, if he finds his way to New Orleans, that'd be that'd be probably be great for him to get to play off all those guys. Yeah, I also feel like Shaden Sharp could be that guy, too, because he's just so young, he – we literally got like nothing from him in college that like who knows what he's going to be like yeah the, the Shane Sharp stuff was crazy too because I I can him a lot to Mitchell Robinson obviously not like in the way they play they're completely different positions but Mitchell Robinson didn't play at all in college and he was supposed to be like a top 10 or so pick and the Knicks ended up getting him uh, in the early second round and it was like oh look at this steal like we got this valuable player in the second round and it actually ended up working out. Like, obviously, there's some stuff going yeah. on this year. But, like, for the player that the Knicks drafted, Mitchell Robinson, the second-round pick, he was a great pick, and he's done a lot of stuff for the Knicks. And we'll be questioning as to what happens for him. But what's crazy is Shaden Sharp not appearing in a single college game this year, just deciding to not play for Kentucky, and he's still going to go top 10. That's how crazy this kid was in high school. He was the number one recruit out of high school. And it's like, this guy could – he might have known, like, oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't play, like, keep my draft stock high. Or he's just, like, so cocky and, like, knows he's going to be amazing. He's like, I don't need it. And there's literally no way to tell. This is – I'm sorry, this is nothing we could do about this. Like, we didn't didn't see him play. I don't know how I'm supposed to analyze him, but it's almost somebody I want the Knicks to take, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, why not, right? It's like, what the hell? Maybe this guy's fucking amazing. Like, let's go. I love it. What the hell is the worst thing that could happen? Um, but yeah, the comparison to Ivy makes sense though too, Riley. I see what you're going at because I think those are the two guys with the biggest or the lowest floor. Just who knows? There's literally just who knows. Obviously, yeah. NBA analysis and scouts probably know more than we do about those. Uh, Maybe. Sharp. I hope they know more about you. They're <laughs> like, oh, I never saw a Sharp play, but let's just go for it. Like I'm saying, like imagine they were just like that. It is freaky. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what's funny is like, not to like get off to, off topic too much, but I feel the same way, almost the opposite with like Keegan Murray. 
where it's like everything I like read about him and anytime like I watch anything about him is I'm like, I'd be surprised if this guy was bad, but I'd also be surprised if this guy was like amazing. Yeah. That's he'll a probably just be all right. Uh, like I, he'll be yeah. fine. As a big 10 guy, I, I watched a decent amount of Iowa and like he, he's fine. Like to be honest, like I, I picked Iowa to go really far in uh, the tournament and a lot was because I kind of liked Keegan Murray. But then I found out like he was supposed to be like a top ten, top five pick now. And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "I didn't think he was that good." And I agree. Come out of nowhere. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that like he's gonna be fine no matter what. Like he'll be fine. Like I don't think he's gonna be great. I don't think he'll be bad, but he'll be fine. Yeah, it's like a safe pick. Yeah, uh, the yeah, opposite. Honestly, if you're someone like the Kings, yeah, I feel like if you're the Kings, you'd want to take Keegan Murray if you're not getting straight out of it. I think he'll, he's actually safe. there has been a lot of buzz of that. I'm pretty sure is that the Kings might just be like, "Fuck it, we're taking Keegan Murray. He'll he'll go next to Sabonis. He can play small forward. We're probably gonna lose Bra- uh, Harrison Barnes, and we'll figure it out. Like we won't screw it up for once. And like maybe that is the best thing for the Kings. Perfect. We solved it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. And it's like again, one last thing on Ivy. It's like he's I, I can't stop talking about him because it's so interesting, and I just don't know how I feel about him. But I have, I'm declaring that I'm gonna root for him. Like I don't, I don't know where he's gonna go. It's not gonna be an anti Ivy for me because it, it very well was looking like that going into the draft. I'm hoping for the best for him and praying it works out. That's my, that's my bow on him. I hope he goes somewhere where. He I don't feel anti too many guys. I don't know why. I, I like, I like the big three guys a lot. I think Jabari's kind of boring, but I like Paulo and I like Chet. I think if Chet was awesome, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I, I usually find myself just like making myself be an anti somebody just for fun and that probably would have been jabari smith if i wanted to be annoying but i decided not to do that this year because there's a couple guys like a little lower that i absolutely despise so i'll just let myself that'll be it for that i know who that is <laughs> can you name it riley we can, we can talk about yeah it's aj griffin i fucking the new nicks forward i fucking hate aj griffin <laughs> we're gonna get him i know it yeah and i'll i'll just say i'll get it out of the way now because there's a segment where we're gonna go off on guys we don't like but i'll just do it now because AJ Griffin, man, the lead hype, right into it. Yeah, go into this. The hype he's getting, I just don't understand. This guy has absolutely health issues. He's he's hurting his leg like way too many times, and that's a starter for the Knicks. It's like, do not take this guy. Like, we need a guy who can play basketball first of all. And the the comparisons to Cam Reddish for me, just by watching Duke so much this year and the year that uh, Zion and Cam and RJ Barrett were at Duke, are so similar. They're like, oh my god, AJ Griffin is such a good three point shooter. You know why he's a great three point shooter? Because Paolo's so fucking good, and Paolo draws the attention of the defense. And Mark Williams, their center, is like really good. They have to guard him. He's going to be a top fourteen pick. And you know what? I, I, Wendell Moore, he's going to be a first round pick of Duke. And they have so many freaking good guys this year that they couldn't guard them all. And you know what? AJ Griffin was open in the corner sometimes, and he shot like forty percent from three. And like whoop de doo, he averaged like ten points per game and had no impact no impact at all when it mattered he was not clutch and i just do not see this guy being a great nba player and it's the same thing with reddish so like oh the potential if he had like more of a role on offense i don't care if he has more of a role on offense because i don't think he does much he doesn't really defend well everyone no, says, he doesn't validate it yeah everyone says he's this great defender i didn't see much in duke at all i i just get so mad and i think the knicks are going to take him i'm going to be upset mm. yeah wait hype anyone like that that you don't like Riley? Um, honestly, no. I mean, I'm not too big of a fan of AJ Griffin either. I think he's like 
mediocre. I, I think it's it's crazy. You're right, Steve, that like he's getting he, the entire time he was even there, he was getting like thrown in like he was he was supposed to be like the guy. And then Powell came out and just like destroyed him. Um, a guy I don't like, but not for basketball reasons, just for personal reasons. I think Jeremy Sochan sucks. That guy is so annoying. <laughs> Riley, he was uh, all I can think two of three guys. I said I really don't like him. This draft, I'm with you on him. Well, uh, well, honestly, and this is an easy one because all I can think about is that game where he played against uh, UNC. Yep. <laughs> and he, he just spent he just spent like nine like every single play was just on the ground like falling so down like. Flopping or like diving at people's legs, and it was just annoying. And I don't want to deal with it. Well, you know, the worst part about that for me, Riley, too, was like I thought I was done with that. And then, like, I was reading some mocks, doing some research. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's a lottery pick. What the yeah, hell? Yeah, me too, dude. I, I don't want to see this guy for the rest of my life. Like, are you fucking kidding? I thought oh, it was over. No, I couldn't believe it. I'm with you on him. He's the worst. Sucks. Yeah, that guy sucks. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, that's really it. The only other guy that I'm really not a big fan of, uh, I actually like this guy, so it's it sucks that I'm gonna be anti him, but I just don't think he's gonna be good, and I think he's gonna get drafted way too high. Is Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin? I think that guy is a dog. I think he was a great college basketball player and a great college point guard for Wisconsin, but just the things he does, just I don't think are gonna translate into the NBA very well. He's not tall. He doesn't really play good defense. He's not a good passer, and he's not a great three-point shooter. And what does that make him good at? I'm not really sure. The issue is I just think he was a guy – I kind of uh, compare him a lot to one of your fellow uh, UConn Huskies. I think he's going to be a lot like James Booknight, who we didn't even hear from once this entire year. Just disappeared. He's just a great college point guard, and there's like players like that. And I think he could be a good like leader, maybe a decent backup point guard. But is that someone you're picking in the lottery? I don't think so. I just think he's just average at very best. I just don't think he's very good at anything. I had well, to look up and to see if he was like... a real person. I wasn't sure because he's in the Taco Bell commercial. Oh, so yeah, he's literally, and that's what pisses me off. It's because it's like this guy is getting so hyped up. And it's like, are we sure he's even going to be very good? Well, and much like uh, Book Knight, I feel like Davis was just kind of given the keys to an offense that had no one else who could score. So he just kind of was able to just take the ball down the hole every single time. Yeah, and he did a good job. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad point guard at all, but, like, I just don't see anything in his game that makes me think he's going to be a starting-level point guard in the NBA. Yeah, like Booknight, same thing. Yeah. And even Booknight hasn't even translated into a backup point guard. Like, I don't even know what he does. Yeah. Is he still on Charlotte? <laughs> he gets the middle of water. <laughs> <laughs> And just to round us out, are there any other kind of like random guys that you think will go late that will have a big impact? Uh, some, somebody we have oh. to talk about, uh, just for fun. I don't even know anything about him, but I'm looking forward to the Nikolai Jovic entrance into the NBA. That's interesting. I, I, I sent you guys the stuff about him early. It was literally the Serbian prince, Nikolai Jovic. He's going to get drafted probably like late first round, but like just the fact that he exists, I think is fun. Um, I really like this kid, Blake Wesley, out of Notre Dame. Uh, every he's apparently like supposed to be just like the spark plug offensive guy, like a Shake Milton, who just comes in and gets you like five or six quick points, and then goes and sits back down. And I love players like that. Yeah, those. Yeah, of course I got to talk about uh, my big MBL guy. We always got one every year. 
again, projected lottery, probably like late, I'd say like 12 to 14, but like hopefully people realize the MBL's for real, he'll leap up like Giddy did, uh, to Usman Diang. The way I could talk about him is he's actually a, weirdly, it sucks to say, but he's a lot like Josh Giddy as a player. Josh Giddy's a ball handler and more of a point uh, pass first small forward at 6'8", which is crazy. But Jiang, he doesn't really have the passing that uh, Giddy does, but he he has the def- like he's a top like level defender in the NBL, and he that those traits are going to translate well to the NBA based on he has the lank. Like, I love lanky defenders like Scotty Barnes and those guys, and that's the exact type of defender that this guy is. And if you add that with the dribbling on the wing that a guy like Josh Giddy possesses, it's going to be crazy. I'm telling you, he's going to be amazing as all my NBL guys have been. In. I'm in. <laughs> I need to know if there's a couple NBL guys, so that's good to know. Yeah, I also yeah, – him for sure. Watch out. One guy I wanted to talk about real quick because I think he'll he's going to be good is Jalen Duran, who's like the center out of Memphis. I think that guy's going to be a really solid pickup for whatever team he, he plays for. If I, I – it sucks because like I, this can't happen because they literally don't have a pick. But I, if the Suns could get him, I think that like he could be the the great Aiton replacement because he he remind he's a lot like uh, Rob Rob Williams yeah and that he he's just like super athletic. He just can fly around everywhere and he's really smart defensively. I think he'll he'll just help whatever team he goes to. Well, it's funny, Riley, because I was going to mention him and along with Mark Williams from Duke, who I kind of talked about earlier a little bit, as like guys who are just going to fall because just no one really values those centers nowadays, right? The rebounders, the guys who block shots, the athletics. But I wonder if like people see the impact that Rob Williams had in the Celtics finals and like maybe a guy like that can help us and a team you know who I think could use a guy like him I know you said the Suns a team like the Hornets a guy like him yeah. around in the middle I just think they need an athletic that's really they tried it with Montrez and like that's not exactly who Montrez is Montrez is more of like a spark off the bench but like and he doesn't really play defense but Duran and both Williams do so I think those guys watch out for Charlotte to take a guy like that I think it would be huge I like both of them but my yeah, I, like Mark Williams a I, lot, just, yeah. I just question if people believe in those type of centers nowadays. I hope they do because I, I, you know, I love big men. It's been a big past couple of years for that kind of role, so I can see it making a slight comeback. Yeah, but in the draft, they typically yeah. wait. It's like weird because it's like the Rudy Gobert stuff happens, and it's like, do you want a center like that? But I think people just realize it's like centers like that are valuable, but you just like can't max them out. Like once you max them out and like make them a huge part of your team. That's where it's bad. But if you have them on a cheap contract, run them around, play them like 25 minutes a game, but like don't have to commit to them and like can take them off the court if they're fucking you over, like that's where they're really impactful. But it's like the Jazz are just like screwed. It's like, well, I guess we have to play Rudy every every down. Every yeah. down, like it's a football game. My random guy that I'm yeah, a I mean, fan that... of, just to kind of close it out, is, uh, is Dyson Daniels from the G League. I don't know if anyone else is really excited from the G League, but. Watched a very minimal about a t- amount of tape right before you recorded. Looks like a good ball handler. He can really pass and just really energetic and all those things in the point guard. And I wonder if someone who's in desperate need of a backup point guard could really use Dyson Daniels. Cool name. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, the, the G League guys actually haven't gotten a ton of buzz this year compared to like Kaminga and Jalen from last year. But like the tape on them is still good. I haven't watched a lot of them. 
I've seen a lot of uh, Dyson. Uh, first of all, awesome name, Dyson Daniels. Uh, I've yeah. seen a lot of buzz of him to Portland to kind of be alongside Dame and have like a defensive because he's a defensive stud and you could have a defensive stud alongside Dame in the backcourt, which would be interesting. He could go anywhere. I'm I'm really interested in the G League guys. It's him and Jaden Hardy, who are Jaden Hardy's like eh. I don't really have a take on him, but Dyson Daniels is awesome. I I'm very interested to see kind of what happens with him. Yeah, I mean these G League guys are just a giant flip of the coin. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, it's because it's like what's crazy. Yeah, well, I, I remember watching Jalen Green. I watched some of his like guys, highlights. You could it, tell he just looked. He yeah. just looks so much better than everybody else. You could tell. That was crazy. And that's yeah. what worries me about these guys. It's like, okay, if we can't tell, like if there's no like elite buzz like Jalen and even Kamingo were getting last year, do the scouts know something? Like is there something off about them? But I think it's more so that Dyson Daniels' game is a little bit different. I just think he's an elite defender, and it's like, where do you pick a guy like Lou Dort? You know, it's like I see him a lot like that in a sense. I think Lou Dort's a very valuable player. Because, I mean, you saw what he did against James Harden in the past, and he's, like, he could lock down your best player and shoot threes. Like I love Lou Dort, and I think that's an apt comparison in a sense, um, with even more ball handling and passing. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to kind of see where those guys go. All right. Uh, we're going to close it out with this. Who do you guys want the Knicks to get, and who do you think the Knicks are going to get? All right. So... This means a lot to me. This draft, I think, is going to be very pivotal to the Knicks' future success as an organization. I'm leaving A.J. Griffin out of this all together. Like, I don't even want to talk about him. I don't want to even manifest it that we might pick him. I want to trade up, not necessarily for Jaden Ivey, but we talked about it earlier a little bit. John, you actually brought him up. I didn't get to gush about my favorite player in the draft yet. It's Benedict Mathurin. I think – that guy is a stud. I've said it. He was really solid. Yeah, yeah. I, I said it on our draft uh, or March Madness podcast. I am in absolute love with this guy. I just think his athleticism is a freak of nature. I think on the wing, he's the prototypical guy. You kind of want guarding another player's like second best player. He's great on defense. He can hit threes. I just think he's the perfect fit for the Knicks. I just don't think he's going to fall to 11, which sucks. And I don't think us trading up to four to get Ivy is necessarily smart. But if there's a way we could get up to like eight or nine and somehow snipe Mathurin, that's like dream scenario stuff. I'd be so, so happy with that. I want cool. Jabari Smith. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but, I, but I think Keegan Murray might drop and we'll get him. I, thought, I, I wish he would drop. I don't know if he's going to drop that far, unfortunately. What if Paolo had like a Laramie Tunsil like gas mask what? like bong thing and it just came out like right before the draft starts i would i would do anything <laughs> i would do anything um other uh, realistic guys I, there's a good amount of next trade like next trade rumors of them more than most years that we're going to try to move up i mean it makes sense right like we have some yeah. like i don't it's know a good if, draft. It involves, if it involves julius randall or not or whatever like, it, we just have things we could trade whether it's even sign and trades with Mitchell Robinson, and it just makes sense to trade up at this point. But, like, realistically, at 11, I don't think we're getting a game-changing player. So it's like you take swings. Like, there's this guy, Malachi Branham from Ohio State, who I'm really high on, and if we could just snag him at 11, that'd be great. I mean, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's, like, the potential to be a great scorer. He had some games for Ohio State where he was scoring, like, 30, 35 points, 
and that in a Big Ten in a defensive league, that's not something that's easy. No one really is able to do that, even some of the best names in the Big Ten. So I just think some of the potential he has would be great at 11. And if we're staying at 11, I probably would be cool with a guy like that. And then there's like the Ty Ty Washingtons of the world. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah it's like I'm not huge on that pick, but like I could see why because he he was the we lead guard. point guard. Well, yeah. it's like he's the lead guard for a Kentucky team who again lost to St. Peter's, and it's the same type of thing with Ivy that like soured me. But I've heard some stuff that like kind of have swayed me. Like I think it was Ryan Rosillo was we'll be friends with quickly. Yeah, it's like it would it would make sense, and the Kentucky team this year was like had horrible spacing issues apparently not something i could comment on because i just i didn't know that like i didn't follow kentucky enough but like hopefully if we do pick him like i guess we'll we have our kentucky stuff like hopefully we would know and they would be smart enough if we picked him i hope that would work out and to answer your question who i think we pick i'm gonna i think we're gonna pick one of the freaking centers that we were just talking about i think we're gonna try and replace i think we're gonna try and replace mitchell robinson which sucks. And it's like, I just don't want that. I want a game changer. I don't want Mark Williams from Duke. I don't really want Jalen Duran, even though I kind of like him. I don't want that. But I think that might be the direction they go if I had to bet my life on it. Not happy, but if I had to. I don't think I would be happy. I can bet my life on that after the draft. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's such an – the 11th pick this year is so weird. I just – I have faith in them to nail it weirdly, though, because – Believe it or not, the Knicks have actually been pretty damn good in the draft in like the past couple of years. Yes. Obviously, not a good, uh, not a good history of the draft. But this new regime, they got quickly. They got you could shit on OB, but I love the OB like development so far. The Mitchell Robinson stuff's been great. I like Quentin Grimes. I don't know. I I believe in us. Maybe we could do something good for once. Future's bright. Yeah. Who knows. All right, and then we'll close it out. I'm just going to shout out, like, five names, rattle them off quickly. Guys to watch in the second round. That way I could come back to this in three years when the second rounders I nail are amazing players like Draymond Green in the future. Uh, you got Walker Kessler out of Auburn. He was Jabari Smith's center, and he's, like, seven feet tall, plays defense and can shoot threes. What can go wrong? He's kind of like a weird model, but that's, that's fun. I actually think this guy could be good. I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, gets actually picked – late in the first round. I think he's going to be a pretty good player as like a backup center in the NBA. He'll be fun. Uh, and then two more. We got Christian Braun. He was the guy from uh, Kansas team who he wasn't well, – we haven't even talked about uh, Ogbaji from Kansas, but I don't really care. I'm not huge on him. But Braun was like actually one of their better players, their better shooters. He doesn't really have a great game, but he's going to be a great shooter in the league. I think he could be like a Duncan Robinson type. He'll be fun. And then one last shout-out to Hugo Basson. He played with Usman Dang in the NBL. He's going to be picked in the second round. It might be the first time two NBLers are picked in the same draft, and I'm just going to have to support him. So he's going to be amazing wherever he goes. That's all I got. I love it, Steve. You, like, Why are you doing what you're doing, man? You should be an analyst. You should be a scout. You're this, crushing yeah, it. That's this. This is, this, is my, this is my tape for when I hit all these picks. I'll be like, guys – Hire me. Um, I should be a scout. I love it. It's two days out. You're crushing the game. Yeah. All right. We're looking forward to it all. This Perfect. is a great day of podcast. We've got two pods. We're going to have, like we said, this will be on Wednesday. So you've already hopefully listened to our rants on the Celtics and Warriors and the NBA Finals. And now you've concluded with this. Two podcasts in one week. 
two podcasts in two days for the means a two part feature doesn't happen often. And we plan to be back uh, next week to kind of recap the draft and then preview probably our favorite thing of the year, free agency, which is about to get underway, which is crazy that that's already going to be happening in July. Oh, yeah. NBA is a 365 day sport. It's absolutely amazing. It never ends. And we'll have all that coverage for you in about a week. And then I'm promising this is going to come a Heroes and Villains podcast, one of our fan favorite episodes from last year. We're going to bring it back to help recap this season, the biggest Heroes and Villains of the season, probably in about two weeks, I'd say. So keep your eye out for that. That'll be fun, and we'll kind of put a bow on this whole season of the Hoop Fiends. So I don't know what else to say other than that'll be great. That's probably our favorite thing to do. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, completely. <laughs> it's the epitome of the show, really. It's, it's awesome in, in a nutshell. Honestly, it should be its own, like, we should be hired to, like, broadcast that on live television. The, the Heroes and Villains of the Jimmy Butler, where is he going to be this year? Like, interesting. Anti-hero. He, he, he's probably the one who flips back and forth the most of every player. He's one year's a hero, one year's a villain, and it's probably the most fun thing to follow. And you can catch it all at Feeds Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's all we, we just laid out for you, what we got. And get this, the football feeds are back. I've said it four times <laughs> the last couple of weeks, but they're coming. I promise they're coming. It's almost football season. There was a draft like four weeks ago. Two months ago, <laughs> Dude, that was like two months ago. Yeah, yeah. There's a I borderline protest this pod. <laughs> it's coming. It's a. It, it's guaranteed. I promise. Just stay tuned. We'll catch you guys next time. See you guys next week. <laughs>